Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. I am your host, Fred, the NFL Always Offseason GM with the Pound the Table podcast. And we're going to be bringing you a great show this week, in my opinion. Uh, We're going to be touching on some of the recent NFL news. We're going to dive into breakout uh, players at each NFL position. And then also we're going to do State Your Case who we believe the first coach to be fired in the during the NFL season will be. So who's going to be on the hot seat this year? So a bunch of great subjects here. Make sure you stay tuned for all three, and let's dive right into them. So starting off with some of the recent NFL news is mini, or excuse me, mandatory minicamp has just started up this week. And there is a few players that have skipped uh, skipped their off-season workouts, mainly due to, to holdouts, contract issues. And uh, we'll just touch on each one on the list here. So the first one, obviously, Aaron Rodgers with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, it's been well documented here on our series of what we think of that situation with uh, the reigning MVP and how he stands with the Packers organization. But nonetheless, he is absent from all Packers offseason activity so far, so no surprise there. Next on the list is going to be Jamal Adams, safety for the Seattle Seahawks, and I actually re- expect this one to be resolved. Uh, it's it's not much news here either. I mean, when you trade two first-round picks for a guy, you, you're probably going to sign him to a big deal, and it's going to be a market-setting deal. He has all the leverage in that situation. I mean, everybody kind of touches on this same thing. He's not going anywhere. He's he's carved out a role in uh, Pete Carroll's defense. Uh, next up is going to be Stephon Gilmore of New England Patriots. This one's this is pretty interesting to me because uh, he was floated around last year at the trade deadline. If everybody remembers, you know he he might be on his way out. And the big thing is out there as well is he's looking for a new deal. And it's it's no secret that the Patriots like to move on guys too early rather than too late. So I, I fully expect him to be traded before the season starts while they can still get something for him of pretty decent quality. And they got some depth guys, too, on their roster as well that it's going to make him a little bit more expendable, too. So I would not be surprised to see Stephon Gilmore playing elsewhere. It's just a matter of what the compensation is going to look like. For a guy that's you know, 32, 33 years old at a position that kind of requires you to re- retain some of that athleticism, I'm, I'm thinking third-round, fourth-round pick gets it done maybe a second rounder uh, i i don't think it, it goes lower than a fourth round pick you're, you're going to get a bigger compensatory pick for that after it's all said and done so next up on the list is going to be xavian howard uh with the miami dolphins another one that uh he's been actually if you listen to the pat mcafee show jay glazer was on there mentioning that he he's been floated around and they had you kind of explored that market the last two years around the trade deadline. So Xavier Howard uh, missing camp, trying to get his done, deal redone after one year after signing it. It's kind of kind of interesting. It's it's a guy that's trying to cash in before he kind of loses some of his value. He's going to be 28 years old this next year, and he, he was one of the top guys in the NFL last year at his position. A ball Hawks uh, d- defender. He's was in the consideration for defensive player of the year. So. I don't blame the guy for trying to maximize his value here, but it's a, it's interesting whether uh, they'll kind of take a hard-line stance or not. And then the last guy on the list is going to be Chandler Jones, uh, kind of a f- forgotten guy, uh, underrated guy in that Cardinal defense there. Uh, after he sat out and missed most of last year, I think he only played in about five games for the Cardinals. But uh, he's when he's healthy, he is one of, if not the best pass rusher in the NFL. Uh, I believe he's 
pretty much any list you you read that's oh hey who's the top sack guy in the last five six seven eight years it's gonna be Chandler Jones at the top of every single one of them yeah he's one of the engines that makes that defense go and they're definitely a better team with him on the field so I would think that they would try to get something done here he doesn't have a lot of leverage after missing all those games and yeah it's it's just gonna be an interesting situation how much money he's gonna sign for with his age and everything like that uh, it, it kind of seems like the Cardinals plugged a lot of holes except <laughs> this one right here, trying to keep retain some of their guys that have been, you know, brand players for them. So that that's gonna be it for the the mini camp holdouts. It'll be interesting to monitor each situation uh, and whether or not they choose to find the players because they have that option to waive it as well. So next up is gonna be Sheldon Richardson signs with the Vikings. Uh, he was formerly with the Vikings a couple years back. Had about four and a half sacks or something like that, I believe, when he was with them last. But uh, it, it makes for an interesting situation here because they, they sign Dalvin Tomlinson. And don't quote me, I believe they still have Michael Pierce on the roster as well, too. So he was a, a COVID opt-out last year. So you got a couple of these guys that can play on the interior. So you're going to have a good rotation running along with Daniil Hunter. So I kind of like that signing. Uh, I believe it was like $4.5 million, $4 million. Uh, don't quote me on that. I'll have to, I'll have to research the, the contract details again. But, yeah, uh, good signing for the Vikings. Uh, get a good rotation run on that defense. And then the last uh, little nugget I wanted to add in here at the end of the recent news segment here was going to be regarding Lev Bell's comments on Andy Reid basically <laughs> going scorched earth saying, he, I know what I'm worth. I'm never going to play for a team like that again. I'll never play for Andy Reid again. And it's kind of surprising because everybody that plays for Andy Reid loves Andy Reid. Andy Reid's actually come out and said, yeah, you know, Love Lev Bell, love his time here. You know, I'm, that's all I'm going to say about that. So, and uh, I believe Le'Veon Bell actually, after he kind of talked ill of Andy Reid and company in Kansas City, walked back some of his comments trying to explain it, but still, still said that he he'll never play for him again. So, <laughs> Le'Veon Bell basically talking about how he totally hated his time in Kansas City and he's going to go somewhere else and they're going to use him better. So it'll remain to be seen if that happens. I I just that he's a guy that's lost a ton of value since he set that season on Pittsburgh a few years back. So, all right, that's it for the recent news here. Uh, we'll dive right on into our next segment. So our next segment here is going to be a fun one where we're going to be discussing uh, breakout players for the NFL 2021 season. And in my opinion, in order to be a breakout player, you still have to be a somewhat young player who may have either underachieved or just hasn't produced, and we're going to be expecting big things out of you. So basically, I went through and I looked at some of the guys on uh, rookie deals still, so within the last couple of years, that hadn't received an extension yet, that we expect to have a extremely productive or jump off the board season, real, real standout season compared to what they've been doing, and kind of burst onto the scene. So first up, we're going to start with quarterbacks. And I actually went with uh, uh, Tua Tungabailoa with the Miami Dolphins. And it's it's not really a stat-based prediction here. Uh, I'm looking at the guy that had all the potential that was, you know, the tank for Tua movement was a, a big thing for a long time there when he was at Alabama. And he's going to be coming back. He's going to be full strength. I mean, that was an absolutely brutal hip injury. I mean, if that happens, you know, two, th- or it's not two, three years ago, but 
that happens a few decades back. I mean, he, he might not play football again. So this is a, a fairly significant injury that happened to this guy's hip. And he's finally got a full year behind him of, of rehabbing it, building it back up. And he even played half the year last year. And now he's got a full offseason under his belt. He's come out and made these comments saying, yeah, I, I kind of overestimated uh, what it was going to be. Or I kind of underestimated what it was going to be to be in the NFL here. And now he's got all of this experience behind him. He's got a mini camp behind him. And they make a change at the offensive coordinator position to, to get a guy that's going to be able to push the, help him push the ball down the field a little bit more. And they add all these weapons. They add, you know, Will Fuller and uh, excuse me, Jalen Waddell to add, go with Mike Gusecki and Devontae Parker and Preston Williams. I mean, they're kind of a loaded offense now. You, you can kind of see what they're going to try to do. And with the offensive line stability, with... I think Matt Skura, the, the center that they added from Baltimore, is the only guy that's that's an addition. So they're going to get all these guys that were young guys, Austin Jackson, uh, Robert Hunt, you know Solomon Kinley on the inside there, that are going to be coming back. They're going to be able to build off of that, and they're going to add weapons around him. And we all know what that defense can do. It's a, it's a, it could be a top-five unit in the NFL this year. So I really like Tua's potential to break out this year, and they're going to give him every opportunity to do so. So next up on my list is going to be A.J. Dillon, the running back for the Green Bay Packers, and this one is going to be a little more stats-based. So when you look at the Matt LaFleur offense, he loves to run two backs. So Aaron Jones is going to be the lead dog there. But even last year when you look at it and they, after they drafted Dillon, Jamal Williams received, he's, he's I looked the stats up, it's between 100 and 120 carries each year for the last two years. And when you look at his numbers, it's a fairly pedestrian, like 4, 4.2 yards per carry. And you look at what A.J. Dillon did with his small sample size last year, you're looking at about 5.3 yards per carry. And now with Jamal Williams gone, those are some carries that are going to have to get filled. And with a second-round pick in A.J. Dillon, that's a significant, uh, what do you call it, investment into the running back position. So I think that he's going to have a, a very large uh, portion of this offense to go with some of his carries from last year. And it's very clear that he's the closing guy, and Aaron Jones is kind of more of that early down a uh, guy that they want to get involved in the receiving game and big chunk uh, yardage plays. And even the Packers aren't afraid to go two back sets where they get them both in there at the same time. So I think, I mean, even if you just go off of what Jamal Williams got for touches last year and the 5.3 yards per carry, you're looking at a guy that's going to get, you know, somewhere around seven 800 yards rushing. And if you add in his work from this last year, I, it's not out of the question. He goes closer to 1,000. I mean, this could be a great running back tandem. And that's not even counting some of his, you know, pass-catching work with Jamal Williams leaving that role. I think Jones will absorb more of that than Dylan will. But still, I mean, I think he's almost a virtual lock for a thousand over a 1,000 scrimmage yards this year, especially with some of that uh, goal line work to add some of those touchdowns in. And then next up is going to be Jalen Rager. So <laughs> stay with me here. I know everybody thinks, oh, Devontae Smith coming in there. Jalen Rager, big bust last year. They passed on Justin Jefferson. So just hear me out. In 2020, Jalen Rager had about five targets a game. I think it was about five and a half once he did the numbers. And the only person that had more targets in, in the same amount of games that he played than him was Dallas Goddard. So Dallas Goddard's still there. And now when you take a look at them losing Alshon Jeffrey and Zach Ertz, and Zach Ertz had 70 targets last year in his time with the Eagles, in addition to Deshaun Jackson being gone, that that that's a lot of playmakers in that offense. And yes, they added Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith, in my opinion, is the the untouted number one target in that offense. 
he's going to he's going to draw some attention just because of who else they have there. So I think that Jalen Rager really is going to have some potential here, especially with their offense playing from behind most of the time, to really post some big numbers and uh, really to help out his quarterback, make Jalen Hurts look good this year. So he was next up on my list for the breakout stars. Next up is going to be Dawson Knox, uh, tight end for the Buffalo Bills. So this is going to be a little bit more projection as well too here and. When you look at the Buffalo Bills offense, they ran a ton of 10 personnel last year with Cole Beasley, Stephon Diggs, uh, Gabriel Davis, and John Brown. They, they love spreading it out. They love slinging it. So someone made an interesting point. I, I can't remember who it was, but teams are going to see that. They're going to they're gonna start going more dime sets. They're going to start matching personnel to that to help stop that. So what do you do when you don't have a running game? You know what, How else can you do this? How else can you stack the box to kind of get back to that running game, to Put a little bit different personnel approach out there to kind of get mismatches against this dime defense. And I think your answer is 11 personnel. You go with a one tight end. So, and who's the number one benefactor of that? It's going to be Dawson Knox. He's going to be able to draw some attention away from some of these other guys. He's going to give them a different kind of body shape. You know, Gabe Davis has, you know, a little bit larger size to him. And But the, look at the rest of that offense. There's no, like, big body dudes that are going to be attacking the middle of the field. I think Dawson Knox can be that guy, and, and as we know, tight ends don't necessarily, you know, push for playing time early. It's kind of a more of a de- developmental position, and in, in his third year, I think Dawson Knox really is going to have a big opportunity. The the former uh, Ole Miss standout, uh, going to have a big role, I think, in Buffalo's offense this year. Uh, Brian Dable's a great OC. I think he's going to be able to make the adjustments, and we'll see early on whether or not that's going to hold true for Dawson Knox, but I really like his potential, his his ability to play kind of that H position too. He can he can line up at some fullback positions, be very versatile throughout the formation. So Dawson Knox is my pick there. Next up at offensive tackle, I'm gonna roll with Jonah Williams. So Jonah Williams was a big time prospect out of Alabama, drafted the Cincinnati Cincinnati Bengals, and really struggled with injuries the last couple of years. He's he's played very limited reps in the last two years. So this is going to be solely based on him playing at least 16, 15 games this year. So you look at what they did this offseason, and the number one priority a lot of fans thought was they got to attack this offensive line. And they really didn't attack it that much. They signed Riley Reef at to play offensive tackle, but, I mean, I don't think that affects what you think of Jonah Williams at all. They're going to give him an opportunity, and it's going to be a big year for him on whether or not he's going to be able to hold up in the NFL moving forward. And I think that if he can play 15, 16 games, and you get the guy that you, that came out of Alabama a couple years back, he's going to do great. He's They're going to help keep Joe Burrow upright. They're going to do enough to help him out. And playing opposite Riley Reef, I th- I think they roll him out at left tackle. I mean, I, I don't I don't see that Reef is going to threaten his playing time. So. I think Jonah Williams is going to have every opportunity to show that potential that he show, he had coming out of Alabama, and I, I'm, I'm betting on his upside. And then the last uh, offensive lineman position here, we went interior too, and I, I picked guard from the Detroit Lions, Jonah Jackson as a breakout candidate, and I believe he played in or started six games last year for Detroit, and I think... When you look at what they their prioritize this offseason was the trenches, the they made it very clear that they're going to be a physical football team. They're going to want to run the ball. They're going to want to build up through the trenches up front first. And what better way to do that than 
playing a guy that you spent a second or third round pick on last year. And you could talk about regime changes and all of this. If he's on the roster and you're a second, former second, third round pick, you still have that same potential. You still have that developmental uh, player arc. And I think that it's going to be his, he's going to have every opportunity to excel. And when your running back looks good, so if DeAndre Swift is going for 1,000, 1,200, 1,300 yards, who's going to look great? It's going to be the guys up front. It's going to be the dogs up front. It's going to be guys like Jonah Jackson, Frank Ragnow, Penny Sewell, Tyrell Crosby. All these guys, they're going to look great up front. And I think that's going to be a huge part of their game plan week in and week out is they're not going to ask too much of Jared Goff. They're going to try to put the onus on DeAndre Swift and company in that backfield. So I think Jonah Jackson, big-time breakout candidate, real athletic guard, ain't going to be able to move people up front. Next up on my list here is switching over to defense is going to be edge defenders. And the guy I went with was Itor Grossmatos uh, for the Carolina Panthers. And when you take a look at that defense, they've they've really put an emphasis on it the last couple of years to, to build up around that defense and kind of make that their calling card. And they go out and they already have, obviously, Brian Burns, who's a very big-time ascending candidate as an edge defender. But opposite of him is Eter Gross Models. He's gonna give he's gonna have the opportunity to rush a passer because they have the presence inside of Derek Brown. They got uh as we mentioned Brian Bird's on the opposite side. They signed Hassan Reddick who had a big time pass rush role. I don't know if they're gonna necessarily do that in Carolina's defense, but after seeing the guy get you know eight nine sacks last year, I think it was eight and a half, uh why would you not give him a pass rushing role in your defense? I I love it. And then you sign, uh, you go out and draft J.C. Horn to come and start day one for you opposite Dante Jackson, and you already got uh, Jeremy Chin on the defense. So I, it's a really great unit, and they're really stout in a lot of places, except that opposite edge role. Who's gonna Who's gonna attack that? Whether or not it's gonna be Hassan Reddick, I'm gonna go with Gross Models, the former I'm Penn State Nittany Lion to show out and kind of display some of that athleticism that made him a really great pass rusher at Penn State. Next up is going to be an interior defensive lineman. This one's a little more difficult just because the draft capital that gets spent on this position isn't as great as it used to be. So you see a lot of guys in the middle rounds that really turn into these developmental superstars on the inside. And I went with uh, McTelvin Aguim from the Denver Broncos. And this is based on when I take a look at their depth chart, their incumbent starter is going to be Mike Purcell, or that's who they're projecting to be the starter. And I, I believe he missed some time last year with an injury. He played in six games. But when you look at it, a vet like that, and then you look at the draft capital they spent to get this guy, I believe it was a second or third rounder for a game uh, last year. I, I just think that why not go cheaper at that option, right? Why not get this guy in there more, see what he's got, let him play out, get in their 16 games they're gonna I mean they're obviously gonna rotate and an interior D-line is much more of a, a platoon position nowadays than it has been in the past so I think when you take a look at this roster you let McTelvin get out there see what you got in the guy and I think he's gonna show that hey I'm a better cheaper option than the guy you have currently here so why not roll with him and just when you look at that defense already, you got Von Miller, you got Bradley Chubb. I mean, every single layer of that defense is just ready to compete right now. So you add another young defensive lineman like this in there, I think you're getting a great player. I think he's going to take that role by storm. He, and he's a starter by, you know, week three or four. He's getting quality reps every week. 
So next up at the second level is going to be a linebacker, and I'm going to go with Isaiah Simmons. So <laughs> I know going with the guy that was top 10 draft pick last year, real, real shocker here, but I had a lot of concerns with him going to that Arizona defense and just kind of questioning how they were going to use him just because he was that jack-of-all-trades type of player at Clemson. And then they brought him over there, and they kind of tried to shoehorn him into this, like, Mike linebacker, you know, stack linebacker role, which wasn't really what his skill set was. I mean, they used him at safety. They used him at nickel. They used him as an, a pass rusher. They used him in, like, hook zones. So, like, I, I think that the, we're going to see more of that after giving him a full off season and giving him just a year to kind of progress through that defense. So I think that Isaiah Simmons is going to have a huge role, especially against teams like, like the 49ers when they match up with George Kittle. So it, I'll be really interested to see what they're going to do with him now that they have guys like Zayvon Collins there. And obviously, I mean, we that, that front speaks for itself with like J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones. So he's going to have every opportunity to really stand out this year, and I think he's going to pull it off. So next up on our list here is going to be Justin Lane, the corner, the cornerback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I, I really like Justin Lane's opportunity to, to burst onto the scene this year playing opposite of Joe Hayden just because even though that Joe Hayden's a little bit you know older or toward the end of his timeline rather than the beginning, he, he's still going to be a, a big-name dude in that defense. He's still going to ha- get more respect than a guy like Justin Lane is going to. And I know Justin Lane, I, I believe he's he's suspended for the first couple games of the season here, but they're going to need somebody with Steven Nelson now, no longer with the team to really man that, that second cornerback spot. And when you're playing behind guys like T.J. Watt, defensive player of the year candidate, and then Cam Hayward, and we, we know what he brings to the table as an interior defender. And then Alex Hightower didn't look too bad filling in for Bud Dupree last year. You're going to get better opportunities on the back end. You're going to get better pass rush. The ball's going to come out quicker. You're going to have more uh, excuse me, opportunities to play, make plays on the ball. And I, I think that Justin Lane is the prime candidate to hold down that CB2 position. And when you were talking about being the CB2 on the top five, top ten defense, you're, you're a breakout candidate. So I, I really like Justin Lane's opportunity to be the breakout cornerback for 2021. And then last on our list here is going to be safety Kyle Duggar for the New England Patriots. And when we take a look at that New England Patriots defense, they kind of took a step back last year, but I think that was more due to loss of talent and opt-outs than it was being a bad defense. So I think they're going to get back to prominence here, and they're getting guys back like Dante Hightower, and then they signed guys like Matthew Judon, and also they still got guys there like Chase Winovich, and you got Dietrich Wise for pass rushers up front. So the only guy that's not coming back that was a significant contributor a few years back was Patrick Chung. And when we take a look at their defense and who can fill that role, who better than the guy they took in the second round uh, with their number, their top draft pick, not this year, but the past year, and Kyle Duggar. And after you give the guy kind of like a redshirt year where he was coming from like a, a D2, D3 school in college, you give him time to kind of adapt and to convert his game over to be a professional football player, I think he's ready. I think he steps up, and I think he fills in for Patrick Chung after not having him for a year last year. So Kyle Duggar, prime candidate there to break out. And that's going to be our full list for the offensive defense, ran through each position. Uh, Let us know what you guys think, if there's anybody we missed, anybody you think was just outlandish there. 
but uh, we'll, we'll hop right back over into the state your case segment here now. So last up on this week's episode, we're going to be doing the state your case segment where we argue in favor of the, the viewership's vote. So this week, the question was, which coach will be the first one fired in 2021? And the options were Matt Nagy, Cliff Kingsbury, John Gruden, and Mike Zimmer. And with 53% of the vote, Matt Nagy actually was the highest voted coach that will be fired in 2021. So we're going to argue in favor of that, which is, in this case, we're four for four on the viewers getting it right and agreeing with what I would I would do. So when we dive into it, we're taking a look at Matt Nagy's resume, and he was hired. This will be his fourth year as a head coach of the Chicago Bears, and he has a record of the last three years being 28-20, and 20, and he's 0-2 in the playoffs, which they made the playoffs this past year as an 8-8 eight eight team, and they made the playoffs not the year before, but the year prior in his first year going 12-4. and four. And essentially, he came over from Kansas City being their OC underneath Andy Reid, and was tabbed as this offensive guru that had uh, been underneath Andy Reid for a couple years, and they wanted to bring some of that offense over to Chicago. And they already had Mitch Trubisky in, in the room, or excuse me, in the office as well, and he was the the lead dog at quarterback when he came over. So he, he kind of got tabbed as this guy that was going to be able to fix Mitch, Mitch Trubisky after what he did under John Fox the year before. And when we take a look at how he's graded out on offense these past few years, because their defense has not been the problem. They've been a top 10 defense every year except this past year, where they were 11th in yards, I believe, and 8th in, eighth in scoring. So when we take a look at their offense, they were 29th in points and yards in 2019. So not in his first year when they made the playoffs, but his second year, he was 29th in both areas. Not very good. And in 2020, they were 26th in yards and 22nd in points. So you can see that it, it, it's not necessarily a good trend here. That in He came in with the expectation that he was going to fix Mitch Trubisky. He was going to get the most potential out of Mitch Trubisky. And as we all know, Mitch Trubisky is no longer with the Chicago Bears. He's over in Buffalo Bills as a backup quarterback. Not good for a guy that you traded up for to the third pick in the draft to draft over Mahomes and Watson. So that, in my opinion, this is the, the biggest black mark on his resume, and it's the biggest concern for me because I was actually a huge fan, a uh, huge proponent of Justin Fields coming out, of, or coming out of Ohio State this past year in the draft. I actually had him as QB2. I would have took him in the top five. I would have took him if I was San Francisco. But he ends up going to Chicago here, and this has always been my number one fear for Justin Fields is going to a team – that's going to not have as much stability in the front office, and it's going to be a roller coaster ride from his first few years. So I think that Matt Nagy has the hottest seat in all of the NFL and should be very concerned about his prospects as a head coach after this season. And what's even more alarming to me is he drafted a quarterback in the first round, and I'm not sure if this is just a ploy by him and, excuse me, Ryan Pace to keep their jobs for an additional year and basically say, we're going to sit Justin Fields, give us a year, we'll get him ready, judge us on his for second year in the NFL. Because I don't think he should do that. I think that they should either have gotten rid of him, brought in a new staff to coach Justin Fields up for the next few years, or they should have just not took Justin Fields. Which, they obviously needed a quarterback, so they did. But I, I think it's almost egregious that they're going to play Andy Dalton over him and not see what they have in Justin Fields, who, in my opinion, was ready to play week one. So... 
Matt Nagy's track record as a head coach is not very good. Uh, I'm I'm very concerned about their outlook when you, especially when you look at what he's done over the last few years, and when you look at what they've built on offense, they just they don't have much to go off of. Uh, David Montgomery, they're they're not maximizing his potential as a running back coming out of Iowa State. They he was only a third round draft pick at the same time. He was he was pretty highly touted. He was kind of a steal in the draft. It was was the main opinion. Allen Robinson has wanted out of town since his first year in Chicago. And they basically franchise tagged him so he can't get out. And behind him, they just there isn't much potential. Anthony Miller, they're trying to ship out of town. Darnell Mooney is a I mean a late round guy that's has some very high prospects coming into this year. But other than that, uh Cole Komet, Adam Shaheen, that they were both tight ends that just haven't quite lived up to the hype. Uh, I know Cole Komet's only in his second year here, so he's he's still got time to get it right because tight ends take a little bit more time to develop. And they just haven't built an offensive line around that entire offense. So I have very serious concerns considering that Matt Nagy was thought to be an offensive guru coming over from Kansas City and working with Mahomes and Alex Smith and Andy Reid. And thought that some of the, the the motion stuff that they were doing over there and some of the the advanced offensive schematic stuff was going to translate over to Chicago. It's just been not very good and it's been rather embarrassing for the Chicago Bears as they've they've got blown out in the playoffs this last year and then they did the the double doink uh field goal their first year. So the Matt Nagy area might might be coming to an end sooner rather than later. And if you're a Justin Fields fan like I am, you should have very serious concerns uh, of his prospects moving forward. Uh, maybe he uh, Nagy gets out of town, him and Ryan Pace are out of town after this year, and they get it right. Maybe they get a guy like excuse me, Eric Bieniemy, or they get a Brian Dable to come in to kind of shape their offense around Justin Fields. But it, it remains to be seen, and I, I'll believe it when I see it, so... I think the viewership got it right again this week. Uh, Matt Nagy has the hottest seat in the NFL. I do agree that most of the coaches on this list, other than maybe John Gruden just due to his contract, uh, are also on the hot seat like Cliff Kingsbury and excuse me, Mike Zimmer. But I, I, th- I believe that Matt Nagy was almost relieved of his duties this past season, and it's going to be even more pressure he's going to be coaching under this year so make sure we tune in next week we'll we'll do another state your case uh while we're moving through some of the off-season stuff here so that's gonna be it for this week that's gonna be all we had for the episode this week we appreciate everybody that tuned in uh Thought we had a pr- pretty pretty solid content we threw out there this week with the breakout candidates and discussing the Matt Nagy situation in Chicago. So make sure you come back next week. We're going to have an, uh, one more episode before the holiday. Uh, we're hoping to dive into some draft stuff here soon for 2022. I know uh, I'm always passionate about the draft, so uh, I'll, have, I'll have some prospects watched through and ranked here for you guys, so we'll be going through that soon. But uh, otherwise... Appreciate everybody tuning in once again. We'll see everybody next week. Thank you.